the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Build it and they will come. Yep, it is time for Pit to Move. Uh, we're going to talk about some sports here today, a couple of different items, uh, if you don't mind. And by the way, we're also looking to talk to you. No guests today, so call me at 844-302-1250. I'm giving you plenty of notice here. Uh, pull the car over, get a rest stop, and give me a call. Uh about anything we talk about here today or any I don't know, throw anything at me. So call 844-302-1250. Chime in anyway. So when we do talk sports around here, we don't very often get into the X's and O's, uh, you know, who should bat third in the Pirates batting order, that kind of stuff. But this is something I think needs to be talked about, and it's about more than football. As you probably know, speaking of football, uh, Pitt beat Wake Forest on Saturday to win the ACC Coastal Division Championship. Now, that puts them in the ACC championship game a week from Saturday against Clemson. They play Miami this week, but the game doesn't mean anything in the standings. Um, so, because in the, in the ACC coastal standings. So, they're already in the championship game. Remember, they beat Clemson a couple of years ago when Clemson ended up winning the national championship. Pitt was a team that beat them. So, um, you know, who knows what could happen. But the number two, they're the number two team in the country now. And it's been great coaching by Pat Narduzzi after a terrible start, including getting blown out by Penn State. That was a real embarrassment, although they, they hung with them for the first half. And I, I said after it uh, on television and other places that I didn't think Pitt was as bad as it looked in that uh, first half of the game. And I think that was proven to be the case later. Um, uh, there again, and I, I don't care. What was serious? There was serious talk back then about uh, whether Narduzzi should be around after this season. But Pitt won five conference games in a row, uh, and the only loss they've had since then has been the uh, nineteen to fourteen loss at Notre Dame. That's a tough place to to play, and they they played them tough. But the crowds at Hind Field were embarrassing again this year, and I don't care what the announced figures were. Uh, they were embarrassing. Lots of empty seats, depressing looking, most games. Uh, really uh, alarmingly empty. So it's time to move back on campus. Get out of Heinz Field, build a 40,000-seat stadium in Oakland, figure it out, get it done, just do it. Stop talking about it, quit thinking about it, quit denying that you need to do it. It's obvious to everybody on the planet who's been paying attention, you need to play in a smaller stadium. So just figure it out. There are plans out there, and I've talked to some people who've had and who've given me examples of what seem to be realistic plans. But there are plans out there that have been supported by serious people with serious money, lots of money, and there should be a major movement to get it done. Move the, to Oakland. Put it in a small stadium. The athletic director, Heather Like was asked about it a couple of weeks ago. She didn't dismiss the idea. She said it's always possible, depending on the funding. It's always about the money. But they can get the money. If, if they need the money, they can get it. They just need to find a place to put it, and they need to get it done. Now, I think it's safe to say that most people in the local sports media seem to have dismissed it. That's the impression I get. I could be wrong about that. I don't think anybody really uh, takes it that seriously. I do. Uh, Pitt had trouble filling Pitt Stadium way back, and Pitt Stadium held 56,000. Heinz Field has 65,000. So for a school with a city identity, Pitt's attendance has always been good. Um, and I'm talking about uh, as, uh, compared to Miami, uh, Houston, University of Houston, Cincinnati, other places that are that are not state schools. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what they did in Houston in just a second here. But uh, Pitt's attendance has always been good. Uh, when when you consider that they are uh, representing a city and not a state. They can't draw from the whole state. They don't draw from the whole state. They draw from the same market that the Pirates draw from, and unlike Penn State and Ohio State. For example, um, uh, what, do you, what do you think Ohio State, do you think they'd be drawing 105,000 for games if it was instead of Ohio State, it was known as Columbus University? No chance. 
There wouldn't be people coming over from Toledo and Cleveland and Cincinnati and Dayton to go to Ohio State games if it was, if it was known as Columbus University. There'd be people from Columbus. That'd be it. That's what Pitt's dealing with. University of Pittsburgh. Now, Pitt is never going to draw like Ohio State and Penn State. And if they need a bigger stadium for a bigger game like Penn State, they can always play at Heinz Field. The, the last Pitt uh, National Championship uh, team uh, in 1976 played Penn State at Three Rivers Stadium. Uh, I think it was because they needed lights. It was a, they made it a prime time game. That's a million years ago, but it was done. And and Pitt's just as I said, they're they're just never going to draw like Ohio State and Penn State. And they can move there when they need to. If Notre Dame comes to town, for example, or if they get smart enough to play West Virginia again, they can always play at Heinz Field. But in a forty thousand seat stadium, thirty five or forty thousand for Virginia Tech would be great atmosphere instead of the the. the unbelievably depressing scene at Heinz Field when 35,000 show up. Now, I, I remember um, some people, some of my friends in the media laughed at me back in the, uh, may have, might have been early 90s when I said, the Pirates need a smaller stadium. Three Rivers is too big. And the reason I said that was because I knew that it was all about advanced sales. And if, and if fans out there know that there are 50,000 seats there, and in the case of Pitt, 65,000 seats. And they see on television or they notice when they go to the games that there are thousands of empty seats there. They have no reason to buy a season ticket. No reason to buy a ticket uh, back in, in, um, in like summer, non summer, forget winter, like February, April, March. That's when they sell season tickets. No reason to do that if you don't feel like there's an urgency to get a ticket because you know there are always empty seats. But if you reduce the size of the stadium down to 40,000 and you see a good team coming in, you got to buy your tickets because you're, you're going to get shut out if you, if you wait. So uh, it worked with PNC Park. The Pirates are drawing much better because they sell more advanced tickets. They have better advanced ticket sales because people are afraid of – uh, if they want to go to see the Cardinals on a Friday night in June, they can't wait till Wednesday night in June to buy the tickets. They got to buy them in January. So as bad as the Pirates' attendance is, and, and it will continue to be, it would be a lot worse if their stadium had twenty thousand more seats. Now, um, uh, here's a here's a example: uh, the University of Houston. University of Houston. That's like that's not the that's not Texas. It's not the University of Texas. It's not. Uh, uh, the University of uh, it's it's not Texas A and M, it's not Texas Tech. The name is the University of Houston. They were just uh, a non-existent program. They won eight games this year, and February on February eighth, twenty thirteen, they broke ground on their own stadium. They put it on campus, and it only seats forty thousand. They broke ground on February 8th, and they moved uh, 2013. They moved in on August 29th. What's that, a year and a half it took them to break ground and move in? The construction cost was $128 million. That's nothing. They could raise that easily in Pittsburgh. $128 million. It's only five years ago. So they're playing there now. Their biggest crowd, they had 42,822 uh, for a game. Uh, it was standing room only. I'm not sure who they played, but that was their biggest crowd. And there's nothing wrong with that for a school that represents represents only a city. So um, just shut up and get it done. Just do it. And there's your stadium, 42,822 standing room only. If you did that, Pitt would draw 40,000 easily for Virginia Tech. They would draw 35 or 40,000 for Duke. And the more they did that, the more... Uh, the, the better fans would feel when they showed up at the game because the atmosphere would be great. It would be a full stadium, lots of crowd noise. Instead of tumbleweeds blowing across the field, you'd have fans packed in there. They have uh, Boston College has a, about a 43,000-seat stadium. That's in Boston. Both Boston and Houston are much bigger markets than Pittsburgh. Houston, they're in the top seven or eight markets in the country, and they, they know that they can't fill a 65,000-seat stadium. It's ridiculous for Pitt to think that they can. So uh, just do it, okay? Now, I want to play something here. This is not necessarily related to Pitt, but it it brings up another issue. Uh, This is a Kentucky player named Cash Daniel. Kentucky's had a good year this year, and this is what he said after their game. I believe it was with East Tennessee on Saturday. Honestly, dude, I'm really disappointed. That stadium should have been filled out to the max. 
teams. Uh, you got a ranked team. First eight wins in a regular season since the 80s. You got to see Josh Allen break a sack record here. And look at this, Nebraska, who's a football powerhouse, wins national championships, still sold out 80,000-plus when they went 0-5. We're bowl eligible for the past three years in a row. And on senior day, that this is the class that turned Kentucky football around. Honestly, this is coming from a player that fans might think different. If you're going to be upset over you know, okay, us so that's, a really good that's, okay, that's good enough there. Uh, that's uh, Cash Daniel, not Daniel Cash. Cash Daniel, K-A-S-H Daniel. He's a linebacker at Kentucky. Now, they've had a good year, and he was upset that uh, they didn't have a big crowd. Well, I'm going to guess that they didn't have a big crowd for one reason, because they don't have to sell tickets in advance because they have a stadium that's too big for Kentucky because Kentucky's not been good enough over the last, I don't know, 50 years. But they were playing Middle Tennessee State, and it was a cold, rainy day. I'm not going out of the. I'm not walking three houses up the street to watch Kentucky play Middle Tennessee State. So that's the other thing that they got to do. Pitt played Albany at uh, at uh, Heinz Field this year, and if they had a thousand people there, that was 998 too many. Nobody should show up for those games. Not, and I'm not picking on Pitt because all the schools do it. So. That's my little uh, tirade today for uh, what should be done with pit football. Uh, It's great that uh, the program is going to be playing for a conference championship, as Narduzzi predicted, because if we're going to have a major college football team around here, it may as well be good and not be an embarrassment. And it should be playing on campus on a 40,000, in a 40,000 seat stadium. And they should be breaking the ground yesterday. And they could be moving in in a couple of years. So that's where I am on that. And we'll have lots of other stuff when we come back, including an unbelievably stupid statement from Jamil Hill, speaking of sports, and uh, some other uh, issues. We'll do that when we come back on the John Stoggerwald Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Don't be at a disadvantage when it comes to your Medicare coverage. The 2018 Donut Hole is closing fast. Open enrollment ends December 7th, and you have some important decisions to make today. This is John Stagerwald. Medicare is confusing. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial know you have questions, and they have the answers you're looking for. Before you lock in for another year, are you sure you're getting the best coverage possible? Visit MarleyFG.com and find out for yourself. Do you hold Pat for 2019? Has your Advantage plan changed terms on you? What premiums are going up next year and how much should you switch your part d prescription plan or drop it all together don't go it alone let marley financial steer you to a comprehensive solution that lets you access any hospital or doctor you want a plan that focuses not just on cost but quality with lower deductibles and co-pays that are little to none why get stuck paying thousands in out-of-pocket expenses visit marleyfg.com today that's marleyfg.com are you about to pay double for new windows siding or doors if you haven't called windows are us you just might many companies are overcharging area homes and businesses nearly double with over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, gutters, siding doors, and of course, windows. Windows R Us will never overcharge. You'll love their no-pressure approach, straightforward pricing, and the fastest turnaround in the business. Right now, get zero interest for 12 months and up to $20,000 on new vinyl, fiberglass, or wood windows. With options like triple-pane glass and names like Pella, no hidden fees or surprises ever. Your no-loophole lifetime warranty covers everything, including glass breakage, at no additional cost. Mention AM 1250 with your free estimate for an exclusive 10% off. Why pay double? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company, windowsruspittsburgh.com. Did you know that when you buy a mattress from a retail store, that mattress is being sold for the second time? What do I mean? Well, the manufacturer sells the mattress to the retailer, who in turn sells it to you with costs and markups for both parties. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have our own factory right here at our store. So the mattress you buy is being sold for the first and only time. That's why our prices are hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see for yourself. It's been a full day. The to-do list is done, the kids are in bed, the dishes can wait. Right now, this moment is just for you. It's your chance to unwind. It's your end of day, ah. 
At the Original Mattress Factory, we're proud supporters of the end of day awe, and we want to see how you relax at the end of your busiest days. Share your posts on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the hashtag end of day awe for the chance to win a $1,000 Original Mattress Factory gift certificate. Relax. You've earned it. This is Dr. Sebastian Gorka. President Obama's eight years of leading from behind left the world in flames. From Russia's invasion of Ukraine to North Korea's missile tests and a growing ISIS caliphate. Under President Trump, American leadership is being restored. But that does not mean our enemies have disappeared. That's why I wrote my new book, Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies. As a former deputy assistant to President Trump for strategy, I explained the threats posed by enemies like Russia, China, and the global jihadi movement. We must know our enemies and have the will to defeat them. In my book, Why We Fight, we take off the political correctness blinders of the Obama years and learn how we can vanquish our enemies without mortal combat. Sebastian Gorka's new book, Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies, is available now from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. This is the John Starkerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. 844-302-1250 is the number. 844-302-1250 if you want to chime in here. Um, I just came across something here that I wasn't, wasn't planning on talking about. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things we like to do around here is make fun of some of the stupid things that are happening on college campuses. And apparently, uh, not apparently, obviously, not just in the United States of America. There, Great Britain... Um, is the United Kingdom is um, man? They are just going down the toilet in so many different ways. Uh, this this just popped up. I just saw this. Lectures lecturers at the journalism school of journalism school to boot. At <laughs> they're they're studying journalism at the school of Leeds Trinity University. These are college kids in the UK have reportedly been warned in an internal memo that an excessive use of capitalized letters might distress students and scare them into failure. Now, I'm trying to picture coming home to my parents with a page, you know, something from a teacher where she writes on here on, on, a, on a, one of my terrible papers that I used to turn in, and I turned in a lot of them. This is not, not acceptable in capital letters. Showing it to my dad and saying, this makes me feel bad. I'm, I think I'm, I'm afraid. This is first obtained and reported by the Daily Express. The memo was supposedly intended to, quote, enhance student understanding, engagement, and achievement. Instructors were advised by it to write in a helpful, warm tone, avoiding officious language and negative instructions. The use of capital letters for emphasis was discouraged because their use might needlessly accentuate, and we're quoting, the difficulty or high-stakes nature of the task, according to the report. The memo recommended that lecturers be explicit about any inexplicitness. That's what it says. Be explicit about any (laughs) inexplicitness in their assignments. Despite our best attempts to explain assignment tasks, it continued, any lack of clarity can generate anxiety and even discourage students from attempting the the assessment at all. The memo also advised against the overuse of do and especially don't. (laughs) The school defended itself in a statement. Of course it did. Released today on Twitter. And it maintained they have not, in fact, banned capital letters and said, we fall. I'm not going to read it. But, they, you know, this is just uh, and here's here's what when I had uh, a really good English teacher when I was in high school at South Hills Catholic back in the 20, uh, 20, 20th century. And um, it's a big class. Uh, we had we had 50 kids in a class. And this was an especially big one. I think it was more than that. 60 or 70 kids. Huge classroom. This uh, uh, brother, Paul, he was a really good teacher. I think he had gone to Oxford. Uh, he was a Christian brother. And he sat in the front of the class up on an elevated stage behind his desk. And he was he was extremely fat, really fat. And he, he taught English composition, the only course that I ever did well. I think it was the only course I ever got a B in in, in uh, high school. And um, you would, I, I turned in a paper. And he would, he would you would turn in a paper and he would sit up there 
going through the each each person's paper. Uh, you know, it was a, an English composition assignment. You had to—I don't know what it was. You had to write, you know, your experience on summer vacation. I don't know. It was—I think I was a, like a junior in high school. And this is what he would do. He would pick up your—he would say Steigerwald, and he'd read about. He'd look. He'd, he'd pause for a second, and he'd read it, and he wouldn't say anything, and he'd be reading it, and he'd go like this. He'd wrap it up and. Th- Throw it in your direction. Now it was a big classroom, so it was never going to. Unless you were sitting up near the front, it wasn't going to get to you. So he would throw it in the general direction of where you were sitting, and you had to get up out of your seat and walk up and pick it up, and then that was it. That was his. That was his reaction to your work. And I didn't go home and cry to my parents. I said, "Well, it must have been a pretty bad paper. Maybe I better do a better one next time." Uh, and that was the end of it. I ended, up, I ended up being a pretty good writer because he was a good teacher. But um, so I, this is what I, I, it's just natural for me to go back to my own days in high school a zillion years ago when I see something like this because I, the, to to worry about what a teacher writes on your on your sheet, you know, the, your work that you turned in. I I, I I used to love it when he would do that. I mean, I didn't necessarily love it that it was when he did it to me, but I would laugh at my friends when he, when they would when they would get their paper crinkled up and thrown at him. I thought it was great. So you know, we all survived. So anyway, um, speaking of writing things, here's Jamel Hill. Now last night we're talking sports a lot here today. Uh, last night uh, on Sunday Night Football, Alex Smith. Uh, quarterback for the Redskins. This is really strange. He he broke his leg, and I, I I don't I have no interest in seeing it, but I've been, I, I understand that it's very gruesome. Of his leg, he broke his leg in two places. Just snapped his leg in a, in a play last night, and it was everybody remembered uh, and brought up the uh, Joe Theismann injury, which uh, you can go on YouTube and look at it if you'd like. It's really ugly. And it's one of the most gruesome injuries in football history, and it happened to happen on a Monday night, which back then was the primetime game, as Sunday night is now. Uh, Joe Theismann was at the game, and he saw this happen, and Alex Smith is out for the year. He broke his leg in a couple of places, and um, he's out for the year. He did it 33 years to the day after Joe Theismann did it, on the same date. And you have to understand, if you don't understand that this, um, how, how gruesome the injury was and how famous that piece of video is for Joe Theismann. So, so Jamel Hill, so the, so the Redskins are looking for a new quarterback. And here's what Jamel Hill, the uh, woman who was uh, let go by ESPN, tweeted. If only there was a quarterback available that had gone to back-to-back conference title games, a Super Bowl, and rushed for 181 yards versus Green Bay in his first playoff game. Uh, what she was referring to, who she was referring to, of course, was Colin Kaepernick. And my response on Twitter to her was, uh, if only he hadn't uh, decided to piss off half the customers on a day when he was being paid $600,000. In other words, he's radioactive, okay? So the Redskins signed Mark Sanchez. They didn't get Colin Kaepernick, and they were never going to get him. They had no interest in him. Uh, so Mark Sanchez, who's been out, I don't know for how long, he hasn't been playing for a while, they, they signed him basically off the street. Uh, he's going to be backing up Colt McCoy as the quarterback for the Redskins, but no Colin Kaepernick. And just in case you were wondering, uh, does Colin Kaepernick still even want to play football? There are people who have been saying he doesn't. Well, according to one source who claims to know uh, his situation and be personally uh, um, aware of what Kaepernick is up to, he says Kaepernick's been working out five to six hours a day. Five to six hours a day he wants to play. According That's according to ProFootballTalk.com. Here's the thing for Colin. He doesn't need to work out five to six hours a day. He needs to say, if you sign me, I promise you I won't. Not only will I stand for the national anthem, I won't bring up the subject. And if anybody asks me about it, I won't talk about it. And he might actually get a job. But he's never getting a job this way. He can work out uh, 18 hours a day. He's not going to get a job. When we come back, we're going to hear somebody tell you that white women who voted for Republicans are racist. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. The Hill newspaper is reporting that the White House is dropping plans to revoke CNN reporter Jim Acosta's press credentials. 
The White House told Acosta and CNN lawyers, quote, Having received a formal reply from your counsel to our letter of November 16th, we have made a final determination in the process. Your hard pass is restored, unquote. The White House did set out new rules governing reporters, which include one question asked and one follow-up question at the discretion of the president or White House official taking questions. Tech stocks once again dragged Wall Street down today, with the Dow Jones Industrial Average plunging 396 points. Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon, the most valuable companies on the market, sustained some of the worst losses. Facebook, another longtime investor darling that has been falling out of favor, also fell sharply. The NASDAQ was down by 220 points. This is SRN News. Hey guys, Ken here from the hit podcast, Today's Growth. Who would win a three-mile bicycle race, an 11-year-old girl or last year's winner of the Tour de France? It all depends on the bicycle. It depends on their vehicle. Both on a 10-speed and the pro racer is going to win every time. But put the racer on a tricycle and the 11-year-old wins every time. You see, it's not the driver, it's the vehicle. When it comes to generating revenue, it's exactly the same. If you have a job or a small business, you are riding a tricycle. You can only go so fast. If you need to make up lost ground, it's not going to happen on a tricycle. No matter how fast you pedal, it's simply not going to win the race. Why do many people with no schooling and no advanced degree often become very wealthy? Simple. They choose to only ride 10 speeds. When it comes to helping people create their next revenue model, both Forbes and Inc. recommend Income Store as a can't-miss when it comes to putting people on a 10-speed. Could your household or business use an additional revenue model that doesn't solely depend on you? If so, you need to check out IncomeStore.com. That's IncomeStore.com. Let's face it, we love Alexa, and we love to let her find your favorite radio station. This one, of course. We love it, too, when she finds us. But she could find us easier if we taught her a simple skill. To get started, simply say, Alexa, enable the answer Pittsburgh skill. After she confirms, you can then say, Alexa, play the answer Pittsburgh. That's all you have to do, and Alexa will learn how to find us. You can listen to us through your Amazon Echo, Echo Show, Echo Dot, and Amazon Tap devices. Alexa, what is your favorite radio station? That's easy. AM 1250, the answer. Livability rankings are all the rage. Media lap them up with little or no context. Public officials and boosters tout the most laudatory rankings as proof positive that their cities are getting it right. But as the Allegheny Institute for Public Policy concludes, not all ranking methodologies are created equal, and some of the criteria used border on bogus. Learn more about the fallacies of livability rankings at AlleghenyInstitute.org. Challenging conventional thinking since 1995. Hurt in an accident? I can't help you. But if you've invented a new product, improved an existing device, or need help registering a trademark, call me, Attorney Gary Topoloski, at 877-5-PATENT. I've been helping clients protect their ideas for nearly 35 years. Email me at patentlawyerpittsburgh.com. Ask about my discounts for veterans and seniors. 877-572-8368. Now's the time to pursue your dreams, but let's protect them first. The average person considers estate planning just for the wealthy. Attorney Michelle Conti, host of Conti's Law on estate planning for the everyday person. There's a lot that goes into it. People take more time picking out what car they're going to buy, where they're going to go to dinner, as opposed to what happens to my children. The state will dictate who gets what if you don't indicate who is to receive your stuff upon your passing. We want to make sure we plan appropriately so that they get the best of both worlds. They continue to receive the benefit and they get the inheritance. The other thing you have to think about is tax planning. We tried to be proactive in the approach that we minimize any type of tax consequence when somebody dies, depending on the value of the estate. These taxes range anywhere from 45 to 40%. So we try to make sure that the beneficiary will receive as much as they legally are able to. Hear more on Conti's Law, Sunday morning at 8.30, here on The Answer. For immediate help, visit ContiLawPGH.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Some heavy delays seeing those brake lights out there on the inbound Parkway West after 79, just past 79, got a disabled vehicle in the right lane and right in the same area, also dealing with a crash, which is off to the shoulder. Now the Parkway West outbound, that's heavy Banksville Road to Carnegie and the Parkway East, your slow outbound. Forbes Avenue crawling out to Edgewood Swiss Vale and inbound Edgewood Swiss Vale to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel, Forbes Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge, also slow outbound Liberty Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer, weather. 
A little rain and drizzle into early tonight, then lingering clouds with areas of fog developing. Watch for icy spots north of the city later on, especially on bridges and overpasses, low 33. Tomorrow, cloudy and cold with a snow shower, high 36. Tomorrow night, partly cloudy and colder, low 24. Wednesday, cloudy and cold with a high of 36. Thanksgiving Day, much colder. I'm meteorologist Bill Skladankis on AM 1250, The Answer. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Now, speaking of toxic masculinity, I have a story about men and Scrabble a little bit later here. Hang in there. Um, I don't know if there's nothing toxic about it, but I just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, I like Kirsten Powers, always have. I uh, I liked her a lot when she was on Fox, and one of the reasons I liked her because she was tough and she didn't take. Uh, she stood up to the, the Bill O'Reilly types and the Sean Hannitys and uh, everybody. She said she stood up to the men on on and to Megyn Kelly when she was on with her. I think she was on with her sometimes. Yeah, she was. Now I never see her now because she's on CNN, and I'm like everybody else. I never watch CNN, so. Uh, she could she could do anything on that station, and I wouldn't know it. But I, the only time I ever hear or see her is when I see a clip. And this clip has been making the rounds. It's uh, Kirsten Powers on, well, she's basically saying that the white women who voted for Trump are racist. Here she is. White women support President Trump despite of, or perhaps because of, his policies and his tone. What's your take on this? Well, I think there's a lot of different ways that we have to look at this. I think one of the first things is that people will say uh, that they they support him for reasons other than his racist language, which we don't have time to go through. But there's all sorts of things starting from the launch of his campaign all the way up into the latest campaign, the way he demonized, uh, you know, people trying to come to our country on the caravan. And they'll say, well, I'm not racist. I just voted for him because, you know, I I, I didn't like Hillary Clinton uh, and I just want to say that that's not that doesn't make you not racist. It actually makes you racist. If you support somebody who does racist things, that makes you racist. So I just want to establish that. As for why white women do it, I think we have to recognize that white men are doing it as well. Mm. But I think sometimes we would hope that we would get better behavior from white women because white women are themselves oppressed and that they would therefore be able to uh, align themselves with other oppressed people. But I think we have to remember that the white patriarchal system actually benefits white women in a lot of ways. And they're attached to white men who are benefiting from the system that was created by them, for them. Mm-hmm. And, is, and their fathers and their husbands and their brothers um, are benefiting from the system. And so they are also benefiting. That was Don Lemon, uh, who was nodding through the whole thing and uh, agreeing with everything she was saying. So many things on there that she's wrong and ridiculous about. Um, first of all, uh, if if f- white women are benefiting from the the patriarchy, the, the the word that I hate, the white patriarchy, then how is that bad for them if they're benefiting from it? Or is she saying they'll benefit more if it was a um, if if the men were removed from the scene, or if there were fewer men, or the men had less power? I don't know what she's saying, but she's saying that um, the the right the racist uh, white women. Are oppressed. So, um, oppressed. See, the, the words like racist, racist, the, the definition here is a person who shows or feels discrimination or prejudice against people of other races or who believes that a particular race, that's the, uh, this is the noun, is superior to another. Uh, you you kind of have to believe that your race is superior to another to really uh, qualify as a racist. And that's a, the word racist and racism, those words have been thrown around so much. Uh, at, and they've, they've lost their value. It used to be to call somebody a racist was like one of the worst things you could call somebody uh, not too long ago. And now it's it, it's just thrown out there the way Kirsten Powers just threw it out there. Just uh, someone who uh, happens to vote for somebody you don't like, you can just say, well, there's a reason they, the reason they like him is because they're racist just like he is. They can't come up with any concrete reasons for that Donald Trump is racist. Uh, they like to use that he demonize the caravan that's coming north and that somehow that's racist which which makes the assumption that if if they were if there were 10,000 Swedes or 10,000 people from white people from eastern europe uh 
heading this way in ships, and they were going to land in New Jersey um, and demand that they be allowed through the through customs and you know just allowed into the country without having to go through any of the procedures that nobody would care about it because they'd be white they're white people so the fact that these are people of color it means that the only reason you could be against them coming here everything else is diminished and and disappears into insignificance once you establish the fact that they are people they are not caucasians um, then it's the only reason you could possibly feel that way would be because you're a racist. Not because you think it's bad to have 11,000 people or 10,000 people or 5,000 people show up at your border and just demand to get in. It has, it's, it's because they're a people of color. And again, if they're Swedes and they show up uh, and, at uh, you know, in Atlantic City or on the uh, Charleston, South Carolina in a ship, that and ships, ten thousand of them. That you think they're just going to be left in because oh, they're white people. That's fine. Come on in. Doesn't work that way. So then she says they're oppressed. So I looked up the. I wanted to get the definition of oppressed, and that's subject to harsh and authoritarian treatment. Are, are women actually? And, and when when they say oppressed, they mean systematically oppressed, as the, as the, that the the country and the the society and the government is guilty of subjecting them to harsh and authoritarian treatment, in, just in general, women. Um, and it's uh, to oppress is to keep someone in subservience and hardship, especially by the unjust exercise of authority. Uh, how many women won elections like two weeks ago? This is supposed to be, they're, they're supposed to be um, held in subservience and hardship and authoritarian treatment. How were they able to run for office? And how were they, who voted for them? Was it all women who voted for them? So then she brings up the, oh, by the way, wasn't a woman a Democratic nominee in a, in a country that oppresses women? We have a country that oppresses blacks and a country that systemat, now, systematically, it doesn't mean that there's not racism out there, and it always will be, it always has been, or that there is oppression uh, in some cases. But when they, they're talking about systematic oppression, you can't have systematic oppression of a, of a people and have someone from that group of people be elected president twice. It can't, it can't, it doesn't work. It can't happen. So, and if you're oppressing women, you can't have a woman be running for the, get, getting the Democratic nomination and getting more popular votes than a white guy. How does that happen? And a patriarchy is, by the way, a quote, uh, to give you the definition of that, is a system of society or government in which men hold the power and women are largely excluded from it. Women aren't excluded from power in any way. They can, they can run for any office they want. They, how are they excluded? Um, so where's the patriarchy? I, and, and again, she said the patriarchy benefits them anyway, so I don't get that. So anyway... Uh, here's someone who's very much against the patriarchy and someone who is, uh, I'm sure, I'm not sure, but I'm going to guess she thinks that women are oppressed. She's 28 years old. She's been elected to Congress. She just showed up, uh, I don't know, last week for orientation. She'll be sworn in in a couple of months. We have the Honorable Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for you from the other day is that should we and if we work our butts off to make sure that we take back all three chambers of Congress, uh, rather all three chambers of government, the presidency, the Senate and the House in 2020, we can't start working in 2020. So there you go. Um, all three chambers of Congress. Now, slip of the tongue, maybe there chambers. But then she came back and said she still <laughs> referred to the presidency as a chamber. There's two. There are two Houses, bicameral, House of Representatives and the United States Senate. She is now part of the House of Representatives, and she's being, and has been called, and is, I guess is going to continue to be called, the face of the Democratic Party. That's who, that's who they got. Now, I don't know if Kirsten Powers is happy with her, but uh, that's who you have. That's who you're, that's who you're putting out there as uh, someone you're celebrating. And she is, she couldn't, couldn't. Be more clueless. We'll be right back. Are you about to pay double for? 
roof replacement or repair? If you haven't called Windows or Us, you just might. Many companies are overcharging area homes and businesses nearly double with over 50 years in home remodeling. Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for siding, doors, gutters, downspouts, and roof replacement and repair. Factory certified by North America's largest roof manufacturer, Windows R Us will never overcharge. You'll love their no-pressure sales approach, straightforward pricing, and the fastest turnaround in the business. Right now, get zero interest for 12 months on a to $20,000. Windows R Us will match any competitor's price. No hidden fees or surprises ever. Schedule a free roof inspection today. Mention AM 1250 for an exclusive 10% off. Why pay double? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company. Windows R Us, more than a window company. Visit windowsruspittsburgh.com. Most couples begin the retirement journey with some common questions. Have we saved enough for our retirement dreams? When does it make sense for us to take Social Security? How do we know if we have too much in the market? How does the new tax law impact our financial plan? Do you have similar questions? Join Kurt Kanodik of Accurate Solutions Group for a conversation about retirement's most common concerns. You'll learn a lot, and all you have to do is register. But seating is limited, so don't delay. Go to ASGSeminar.com, pick the date and location that works for you, and reserve your spot today. That's ASGSeminar.com. Start your retirement planning process with Kurt Kodotic and the team at Accurate Solutions Group. Register now at ASGSeminar.com. That's ASGSeminar.com. And for more information on your retirement questions, don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kodotic and Ethan Lane. Saturday mornings at 10. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC. The original Mattress Factory's mission is simple. We hand-build quality mattresses in our local factories. We sell those mattresses directly to our customers so we can eliminate the middleman, saving you hundreds of dollars compared to mainstream brands. While the other guys have their gimmicks, the original Mattress Factory has a straightforward approach and is committed to quality and doing what's best for our customers. It's what we've done for almost 30 years. Go to OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. Great beds, no bull. That is the Original Mattress Factory difference. Quality products plus factory direct prices equals great value. Mattresses that are designed with better materials. Mattresses that are hand-built in local factories. Mattresses that cost hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Now I know what you're thinking. This all sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it isn't. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. How will you react to a natural disaster or random act of violence at your church, school, or daycare? You'll react the way you're trained. This is John Sikoyan, owner of Command Excellence. Join me November 29th for Salem Media Safety and Security Conference at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Along with security experts from local law enforcement, the FBI, and district attorney's office, our team will help you identify areas of risk and show you how to respond in order to keep your congregation and children safe. RSVP now at TheAnswerPDH.com. Email phishing attacks cost businesses billions annually in real cash, data loss, and brand damage. Phishing emails are hard to detect because the messages appear to be legitimate to unsuspecting employees. Introducing Barracuda Fish Line, a groundbreaking cloud-based solution designed to help employees recognize sophisticated email phishing attacks through interactive training reinforced by continuous simulation. Transform your employees from a liability into a line of defense. Go to barracuda.com slash pl to learn more. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, the Obamas are doing okay. They should have a good Thanksgiving dinner. They should have a lot to be thankful for. Um, but, and they're making lots of money. Lots and lots and lots of money. Uh, I, so I want before I get into this, I want to let you hear what Barack Obama was saying back in 2010, where, when he was in the exact same position that Donald Trump was in, is in right now, two years in. So what's working fine for them wasn't working for ordinary Americans. And we've learned that clearly. It doesn't work out fine for the country. It's got to change. Now, what we're doing, I, I want to be clear, we're not, we're not trying to push financial reform uh, because we begrudge success that's fairly earned. I mean, I, I do think at a certain point you've made enough money. 
What do you think would be enough, uh, Barack? Um, about, I don't know, $65 million, would that be enough? Although Barack didn't make $65 million. That's, uh, that's what Michelle Obama got as an advance on her book. $65 million. Now, Michelle is, uh, is going to go out on tour to sell the book, but she's also, you can go see Michelle Obama, I, I guess, in an arena somewhere. I don't know where she's, you know, what the venues are. You can probably look it up. Maybe we can do that, Aaron. If you want to see if you can find, uh, I just thought of this now, find uh, the, the ticket prices for the conversation with Michelle Obama. I don't know if you'll be able to find it, but uh, up to $4,070. That'll be the top ticket. Now, do you think somebody who can afford to pay $4,070, let's, well, say it's a couple, so it'd be $8,100, over $8,100 to go listen to Michelle Obama speak, Um, a couple. Do you think they have too much money? You think they maybe should, I don't know, pay higher taxes or share their wealth a little bit more? But that's what it will cost you for the top ticket. And also, they're going to have merchandise sales, so... Uh, if you want to buy a Michelle Obama T-shirt or a baseball hat, you know, you, they'll get a cut of that, too. Uh, top tickets are sold out, Aaron tells me. They go from 300 to 3000 according to what she saw. Okay. Oh, it's a Philadelphia Wells Fargo Center. That's a big building. That's like uh, our, the, you know, that's the Console Energy Center here. Well, the PPG uh, place now, but uh, that's the big one in Philadelphia for hockey. Um and then there's the merchandise sales. Now, Obama, the Obamas, the, the couple. Now, remember now, $65 million she got for an advance on her book. They signed a $50 million deal with Netflix. Now, when you sign deals like this, this we're talking about guaranteed money. This is not, you know, you'll make $50 million if things work out right. You're getting, you're getting a guaranteed uh, chunk of money here. So they signed a $50 million deal with Netflix. She got a $65 million advance. That gets them up to uh, $115 million right there. That's, um, that's in the last year, uh, since uh, a year and a half maybe, that since they've been out of office. The book deal and the, uh, the deal with Netflix, that's, only, that's been recently. Now, uh, if you'd like Barack to come and speak at the Rotary Club, uh, your local Rotary Club, it'll cost you $400,000. That's what he's charging for a speech now. Four hundred thousand dollars for a speech now he made 1.2 million on three speeches uh to wall street firms last year so he was going to speak at these evil i thought everybody on wall street was evil i guess they're not everybody i don't know this uh, must be okay they're willing to pay him four hundred thousand dollars for a speech now uh, i now let me just say i don't begrudge the Obamas a nickel. I, I hope they make, uh, if he can make $400 million for a speech, I'm okay with that. Um, but if they, if some, if for someone who spent his entire political career and his entire presidency uh, talking about how wealth needs to be shared and some people make too much money, and how, you know how much do you need? And at some point, you've made enough, and we need to spread the wealth around for people to be making this kind of money. And then maybe they're doing it, but they live in a nine-bedroom house in uh, D.C. that costs eight point one million. Now, again, I don't, I don't begrudge them a penny of what they're making. But if you really, really believe that there are people out there who are desperately in need of just money to survive wouldn't you buy i don't know build a two million dollar house which would be a pretty nice place and take the six million and spread it around just on your own not not ask the government to do it not ask the government to forcibly take it from me and aaron and then give it to somebody but take your own money instead of buying an 8.1 million dollar house and eh, just buy a six million and if you get four hundred thousand for a speech how about just I don't know, keeping 100000 of it and going out and spreading the 300000 around. Uh, maybe might be some kids who could use a college uh, tuition paid for. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe Michelle's doing it. I mean, what did they do with their $65 million advance? I'd like to know how much they're giving to charity 
and and not as a tax write-off. But I mean, when you're making that kind of money, and you have that, you've lived your life with that philosophy where you're bashing people for being too rich and saying that taxes need to be higher so that the wealth can be spread around. I don't know. Seems to me that you should be taking that sixty-five million dollar advance and just keep five million of it, five million, and spread the other sixty around. That's not too much to ask. Or hey, how about half, which is what you, you would tax somebody? Take thirty-seven, thirty-eight million of the sixty-five and spread that around. So that's what you got. That the Obamas are doing fine. And now I got something else here. This is this is tremendous. Uh, before we go here, um, Heather McDonald, who's been on this show before a couple of times, tried to get her today. Nobody answered my calls today. Maybe it's something I said. But she wrote a piece. Uh, it's called Sorry, Feminists. Men are better at Scrabble. Yep. 2018 World Scrabble Championships was held last month in London, and the champions, a 51 year old guy named Nigel Richards. Um, and uh, according to uh, Heather here, says, since the World Scrabble Championships began in 1991, all the winners have been male. What does that say? I don't know. Um, the North American Scrabble Championship, that's a, that's a biggie. That's like U.S. and Canada, not just U.S., has had one female winner in 19, since 19, that was in 1987, since its founding in 1978. One winner in 40 years uh, who's not a man. All eight finalists in this year's French World Scrabble Championship were men. And here's what Heather writes. Competitive Scrabble constitutes a natural experiment for testing the feminist worldview. According to feminist dogma, males and females are identical in their aptitudes and interests. If men dominate certain data-based abstract fields like engineering, physics, and math, that imbalance must by definition be the result of sexism, whether a well, we're back to patriarchal again. Whether a patriarchal culture that discourages girls from math or implicit bias in the hiring process. So, ladies, start working on your vocabulary and your spelling. Come on, Scrabble. First of all, I think women should be proud, proud that they've never won a Scrabble championship. That's, that's spending way too much time on Scrabble if you're winning a championship. So don't be ashamed. You're fine. Forget the Scrabble. I'll see you tomorrow. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.